The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The next time you head out of town, protect your vacation investment with tripinsurance.com. You can save up to 40% on comparable plans from the other guys. But find out for yourself. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? I'm Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio as we are aboard Holland America's MS Eurodam on a 10-night Canada-New England sailing from New York all the way up to Quebec City. On this show, we talked to some really, really cool people. In fact, that we talked to our tour guide in Nova Scotia up in Halifax. He gave us the whole nine yards and an overview of the city. We talked to the chef. We talked to the captain. Uh, we talked to some passengers. We have an all-access pass for you because, you know, Holland America has like 48 sailings this year in the Canada-New England uh, region. And it's a really, really cool itinerary. We're going to learn all about it. Our first guest on Cruise Radio is no other than the chef. He pumps out thousands of meals per day. In fact, uh, what do they say? You too many chefs in the kitchen. But when you're pumping out over 10,000 meals a day, I, I don't think that saying uh, is valid. Chef, welcome to Cruise Radio. Thank you. What kind of role does the executive chef play here on the ship? It's more a management role and not so much cooking involved anymore. Um, I'm uh, responsible to ensure that all the menus are followed, uh, the recipes are followed, the presentation is followed, that I'm responsible for training, I'm responsible for uh, that all the ingredients are available on board, Uh, so I do the ordering as Mm -hmm. well, uh, scheduling, so it's lots of management uh, things, aspects. And then uh, throughout the day, I, of course, go through the different restaurants. I taste the food there, I follow up uh, that the presentations are done and so on. So a question I would have then, Martin, is uh, like in the land of lobster and steak, where you can get as many orders as you'd like in the main dining room, um, there is a chance you could possibly run out, or is that not possible, correct? Sure you can, and uh, there are for sure a lot of guests who have more than one, Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's no problem. Usually we keep a record of how many portions we sell of each dish Mm -hmm. Uh, so uh, the menus repeating probably every second cruise or so um, depending on the itineraries and so based on the experience from previous cruises we know uh, uh, pretty much how much we we need do the previous cruises mirror that much where you can kind of tell down to the lobster tail how many you know how much to pull out how many fish to pull out how many steaks to cut up uh, pretty much so yeah. yes um, okay. uh, what we do usually is that we have uh, different menu cycles as we have different itineraries so if guests stay for more than one cruise you would have uh, two different cycles of menus mm-hmm. so it they until 22 days or 26 days depending on the length of the cruises there would be no repetition however when it comes to lobster tail uh, the amount is always the same right yeah. okay 
Martin, I've counted seven restaurants on board the ship here, which means you have to go through a lot of ingredients per week. Uh, can you give me some uh, examples of like flour and meats you go through per week? Flour, we will probably use about seven, eight thousand pounds a week. Uh, lobster, we use definitely between two thousand pieces, uh, wow. maybe even two thousand one hundred on a mm-hmm. on a strong week, I guess. Wow. <laughs> prime ribs, we use about four hundred fifty to five hundred pounds mm-hmm. only for prime rib. Uh, steak is about three hundred pounds a day. The strip loin. Um, that's our usual numbers. Uh. As a chef, what's your favorite meal to cook when you're not working? Well, uh, I like my wife's cooking, then I don't have to cook. <laughs> smart answer. <laughs> very smart answer. He's the executive chef aboard the Eurodam, Martin Cousine. Thank you very much. Here we go. Hanging out with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. She could also be found, uh, she's the cruise expert now at Answers.com. So well, congratulations on that. Well, thanks so much. It's great to be here again. How are you? I'm fine. Um, this Canada, New England cruise is one of my favorites, and it's just really great to be back on board again. So, uh, Sherry, let's talk about this Canada, New England itinerary. So, uh, kind of paint the picture, and how would you describe this whole experience? It's sort of like a cross between a European river cruise and a Caribbean cruise, because you're on a larger ship, but you're on a river, St. Lawrence River, mm-hmm. um, and it can branch off into the Saguenay River, which I have trouble pronouncing every time. So do I. <laughs> oh, good. A Canada New England cruise is is one of my favorite itineraries, if not the most favorite. Why is that? Because you get to you go up close and personal to these little ports mm-hmm. on the river, and it, like I said, it's like being in Europe, but you're not. And <laughs> because it's Canada, you know, everyone's speaking English. Well, almost until you get to Quebec. Then it's very French. Then it's very <laughs> French. We, oui. uh, yeah, it's a great. Trip. This next question, Sherry, we all have our different opinions on, but who do you think the Canada-New England itinerary is geared for? It depends on what time of year you're going. You know, you'll find multi-generational mm-hmm. groups on board. You'll find seniors. You'll find honeymooners. It really depends if you go during the summer months and on a cruise line that's geared more for younger families. Obviously, you're going to find a lot of kids. If you go in the fall once school has started, it's going to be an older crowd. Some, sure. And again, if it's a seven-night um, one direction or if it's a 14-night round trip, the longer the cruise, the older the demographic. Which kind of answers my next question, but when, when is your personal favorite time to go? Well, I've done this cruise, and this is our my third time now, and I like to go in the fall. Um, if you go early fall, you have to remember that it further north, so the foliage is going to change a little bit sooner than if you were in Tennessee. For me personally, uh, the last cruise of the season is my favorite because there's always a chance of snow. Yes, and uh, I guess it's safe to say the leaves change around the October-ish? Yeah. Well, you know, it's really, it, does, it does depend on the weather, of course, and the rain and the sun, but yeah, um, it might be a little bit earlier. The further east and north you are, the earlier it will be. And as you go further west towards Quebec, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit later in the season. So you're right. October could be good for that. Okay, so all the formalities are done now. So let's talk about uh, the nitty-gritty here, the food in this region. So much food, so flipping amazing. So uh, what are some must-eats in your book? Well, every time I go on this trip, I'm on a search for lobster and lobster roll, lobster soup, lobster chowder, lobster martini. I mean, just about anything you can get with lobster. They have lobster martinis. They do have lobster. I've never had one. Wow. I'm kidding, I think. They they really do. They do. They float a bar. Harbor, they had one, I yeah, think. I saw fl- that. They float a piece of lobster yeah. in there on a toothpick. It's very cute. But, yeah, the, cu- the culinary uh, junkies out there, um, this is a perfect cruise to take, starting with Bar Harbor, 
You can go port to port to port. You step off the ship. You're in town the whole way through. And just look for a restaurant. You can, yeah. you know, the, if you like beer, if you like wine, there's a lot of regional wines up there. Um, but go for the seafood chowders and the sure. lobster, anything fresh. Uh, let's talk about the ship here, since we are sailing aboard Holland America's Eurodam. And um, what is your favorite, uh, it doesn't have to be food, but your favorite venue on this ship? They have the Culinary Arts Center. So, you know, this is like, really could be a foodie's cruise. Yeah. It, it, to, you know, the Canada, New England, and then on board the ship, you can go to the Asian restaurant, get your jalapeno martini, saunter down to the Culinary Arts Center where they have the cooking demonstrations. Mm -hmm. They also have, um, guests can sign up to participate in hands-on cooking demonstrations, and there's only 12 to 14 people that can partake at a time. So if you want to try cooking with the chef, sign up early. Very cool. My favorite thing uh, that they recently added within the past six months is the BB King Blues Club, which is also in the Culinary Arts Center late at night. But just, just an amazing gig. The singers are actually from Memphis. They all are under the BB King franchise and all that. So it's really cool. So uh, Sherry, in closing here, uh, do you have any kind of been there, done that tips for the Canada New England region? Uh, I know I have a couple, but I'll let you go first. Okay. Well, if I cover the same ones as you, then I'm in trouble. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, of course. As we were talking earlier, if you go in the summer, it is not your Caribbean-type cruise, even though it's a ship that goes to the Caribbean. So you're going to have to pack something that's warm for those cold summer nights that could pop up Mm -hmm. once you're coming down the St. Lawrence River. Um, So bring something warm. You might even want to bring gloves. Of course, if you go in October and it gets really cold, um, gloves and a scarf and a hat, other tips, uh, just run around and try all the food. I would say definitely bring a camera. Because with the leaves and the wildlife and the idiots yelling behind us right now, who are having way too much to drink, it sounds like. Um, Also, I would say bring a pocket translator. Because when you get to Quebec City, you may have a little bit of an issue with the French. At least I did. I was there for three days last year for our little convention thing we were doing. And it was just, uh, once you, when you're in the main city, it's okay. But once you get on the outskirts and start going to the little island across from Quebec City and stuff, it's all French. Oh, that's true. I mean, you could try to remember some of your High school French, right. if you can. <laughs> oui, non. That's why you are the cruise expert at Answers.com, and you can also find her at CruiseMaven.com. Sherry Laskin, always great seeing you, my dear, and great sailing with you. Thanks, Doug. This was a lot of fun, and I will meet you upstairs in the Silk Den. Martinis. <laughs> For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. 
How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. And I guess we're back, yeah? Okay. Our next guest on the show is not only responsible for getting us in and out of port, but also our overall safety. He is the captain and master of this vessel, Captain Hank. Captain, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much. A uh, pleasure to have you on board and great to be here. So first off, give us a little bit of background about yourself. We want to kind of get to know you. Yeah, I uh, was born and raised in Holland. Always lived around the water all my life. Been around ships all my life. Uh, the travel bug got me going when I went to Singapore, Southeast Asia, as a teenager at the age of 11. I stayed there till the age of 17. And then um, went back to college. I graduated from Nordical Academy in Amsterdam. Decided to uh, keep traveling. I went back out to sea, started with Holland America Line back in 1992, about just over 20 years ago, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Worked my way up to captain, wow. received my first assignment in the Caribbean during hurricane season seven years ago. After that, they gave me my permanent assignment. I've been on the Western Ham, another ship of Holland America Line for seven years, traveling all over the world, mm-hmm. from Africa to uh, Cape Horn, down in South America, and I've really been all over the place. So being with Holland America for over 20 years, uh, I'm sure you've seen a lot of technology changes? Yes, we have. The technology is continuously changing. Mm-hmm. Wireless systems are being introduced on board. We are now sailing around with cruise ships that have balconies, something that were was not available 10 years ago, but have proven to be uh, very popular amongst our guests. Technologically more advanced, more computer systems, I must say in general, it's become a lot safer. Cool, and I have to say, you're one of the world's best parallel parkers on these things, uh, undocking and docking these ships. Uh, How much does weather come into play with docking and undocking a ship this size? Well, first of all, thank you very much for that (laughs) comment. Much appreciated and good to hear. But it's uh, weather plays a very big factor in parking these vessels. We have a total air surface area of 8,100 square meters on the site. A little bit of wind blowing on that site and the ship will drift sideways. We have to push back with the engines, uh, certainly very subject to the wind. Let's put it that way. There's a limit of 23 knots of wind. Any more than that, and we have to make a decision on whether or not to enter the port. As you saw yesterday, we tried to enter the port of Charlottetown. Mm -hmm. That was not possible because we had 40 to 45 knot winds uh, blowing. It was too dangerous to go in, and I had to unfortunately cancel that port call. Thankfully, that happens only in about 5% of the uh, the cases. The the port calls that we do call at, we're mm-hmm. most of the time able to get in, but every once in a while the weather wins, and we have to make that decision to cancel a port. The surface area on the side of the ship you were talking about, could that be compared to like a big sail on a sailboat? Exactly, exactly. Okay. It's it's huge, and it has a very big, big effect on the ship. And like I said, as soon as the winds start pushing against that big sail, we will uh, be blown in a certain direction. And it only takes a minimum or a certain amount of power to push back up against that wind, but there are limits, and the limit for this ship is 23 knots of wind. If someone was to tell you that cruising is not safe, what would you say back to them? 
I disagree. I've been in sea for uh, 22 years. Sure. I've been all over the world. It's certainly a very safe industry. And I would uh, highly recommend going on a cruise. It's a great way of traveling. We have a lot of positive feedback from, I guess, you unpack your suitcase once and we take you to all the exciting destinations that we go to. You've been a cruise ship captain for over 20 years. Uh, what's your favorite route? Uh, favorite route is a very difficult question. I've been to some very interesting parts of the world, from the Mediterranean in Europe down to uh, uh, South Africa. To Everything's unique. Everything much. is unique. Yeah. I love sailing up in Alaska. I love going to Antarctica where you see some amazing sights. The, the world has so much to offer. I cannot pinpoint one certain part of the world where I say that is my favorite. I know you're very busy, Captain, but thank you so much for spending some time with us today. You're more than welcome. Pleasure. Thank you very much and hope you enjoy the rest of your cruise. So one of the stops on our Canada-New England itinerary is here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, uh, up in Canada. And uh, joining me right now is Rick. He's our tour guide here in Halifax. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. For a Florida boy, this is pretty chilly weather. <laughs> well, I go to Florida for a couple of weeks, <laughs> uh, March and uh, February at times. But uh, no, this is not really chilly. It's I think the wind here is what makes it really chilly. Uh, you know, I, it's all relative, I guess. You're from Florida, and uh, you wouldn't get temperatures like this. Well, in Jacksonville, you, you get you get cold. We, up we get a, a little. It's so, some seasons, but nothing like this right now. We're, we're still in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, you're still in the 80s, but uh, you know, um, you know, temperatures here on the coast are a little bit above freezing, a little bit below freezing in winter time. Inland, uh, get a little colder, and we'll get a little bit of snow. But we don't get a lot of snow here. People think that, wow, this is Canada, and so we got igloos and we've got snowmen and the whole bit. But we don't get a lot of that here. But as our listeners can probably hear, we do get a lot of wind. Yeah, especially where you are right now. We're at the head of St. Margaret's Bay, and you can look across the bay here. And then if you look to your left, you're looking at the Atlantic Ocean. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, you couldn't get any closer to it, and Peggy's is known for its wind. Yeah, and right now we're at Peggy's Cove uh, at the lighthouse. And uh, what is some history behind this lighthouse? Because this is one of the most is it one of the most photographed uh, lighthouses in the world. So they say um, sure. a- annually we look at about seven hundred and fifty thousand people coming to Peggy's Cove Lighthouse. If you look at the lighthouse, it's kind of unobtrusive in that it's only about forty-four feet high. Mm-hmm. It used to house a post office, which was really quite new- unique. But up until about well, about five years ago, they discontinued it. Uh, we don't get hurricanes, but we get the end of hurricanes in post-tropical storms, and a lot of damage was being done to the uh, post office and the lighthouse, so they discontinued repairing that, but the lighthouse is still standing here. And uh, we're in a situation right now, and I think I mentioned it on the way up, that uh, the government's no longer looking after lighthouses. And so individuals are taking, or communities are taking, and looking after the lighthouses. We have 150 lighthouses in Nova Scotia on 4,600 miles of coastline. And uh, as a result, well, uh, one-fifth of them are being looked after, and the other four-fifths will not be looked after. This, of course, is going to be looked after because, well... It's a a moneymaker. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Is it still in operation? Yeah, it's still in operation. But, you know, the, you know, as you say, the technology that's around today, this is really antiquated. And it's there and it's beautiful and you can see the light spinning, but it's not of much use anymore. If you walk down there by the actual lighthouse, you'll hear a bagpiper. What is the history behind that? Because I have a lot of friends who've been up here and said there's always been a bagpiper here. Well, for the most part, uh, that gentleman down there is making a good dollar. Yeah, yeah, I see that. (laughs) And, uh, 
you know, Nova Scotia in Latin means New Scotland, and uh, I'm proudly wearing a, a Nova Scotia tartan. And that gentleman down here, uh, what can we say, during uh, the tourist season is, is here to welcome people to Peggy's Cove. When your ship came in this morning, there was probably a bagpiper and mm-hmm. a drummer there, and that's all part of our culture because, uh, as I say, we are New Scotland, and uh, the Scots came here, well, the majority of the Scots came uh, in the 1770s uh, after the, cl- the Highland Clearance. Let's talk about Halifax for the ship dock this morning. Uh, what makes Halifax in the waterfront there so appealing? I guess it's natural beauty. Uh, the fact, uh, I think I mentioned to you this morning, that it's the second largest natural harbor in the world uh, is really quite uh, appealing to most. Uh, I came here as a university student back in 1969. And since then, of course, the tourism business is, uh, has really bloomed, especially in the last 15 to 20 years. And when you, uh, you we, we haven't been to the Citadel yet, but when you get to the Citadel, and that's where Cornwallis first came with his uh, with his soldiers and settlers. You look out; it's really quite uh, panoramic. It's a beautiful view. And uh, Halifax is also tied to the Titanic, right? Yes, it is. Uh, we are noted. In fact, James Cameron made uh, part of the movie here in Halifax. Uh, we have 150 victims of the Titanic buried here in three different cemeteries, and you will not find that any other place in the world. Uh, the rescue ship, uh, the first rescue ship that went to the Titanic site. Uh, was known as the Mackie Bennett's, and it brought, well, it took over 300 bodies from the water and ended up uh, bringing uh, 209 bodies back to Halifax, and uh, 150 of those are buried in three different graves here, and 59 of those people were repatriated to uh, parts of uh, Canada, the United States, and even the UK. We're talking to Rick. He's our tour guide here in Halifax and Nova Scotia. So you were just talking about the Titanic. Is there any kind of museums or anything here besides just a graveyard? Yes. uh, You go to uh, my favorite museum in Halifax is the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic and in there you'll find a great display on the Titanic, the Halifax Explosion the Age of Sail and Steam and Samuel Kennard who was born here in Halifax so uh, what else can I say the archives have uh, have the documents from the uh, people that were taken from the water j- during that time as well so there are lots of things to see here uh, we did have two Haligonians that were aboard the Titanic uh, one was George Wright, a millionaire and the other one was, her name was Hilda Slater. So they were from Halifax and they, well, George Wright's body was never found. But Hilda survived in one of the 20 lifeboats and uh, she is buried in one of the cemeteries in Halifax. You told a fascinating story about the, was it the Halifax Great Explosion? Yeah, December the 6th, 1917, during the First World War. Halifax is one day closer to Europe than going from Boston or from New York. And as a result of that, the convoys in that huge Bedford Basin that you saw uh, was not uncommon to see over 100 ships in there. And, uh, well, during, well, it was December the 6th, 1917, uh, due to a little bit of miscommunication and, uh, as they say, a little bit of bravado, two ships collided in the Narrows, and it is a very narrow area where they collided. Uh, the result, the French munition ship, the Mont Blanc, which was carrying tons of TNT, mixed explosives, nitroglycerin on its deck were barrels of picric acid and benzol. Uh, they spilled, and the ships parted, and sparks caused a fire. The French captain knew that there was no way they were going to put that fire out, so he abandoned ship. 
And that was at 8.40 in the morning. And at 9.04.35 precisely, the largest man-made explosion up until the dropping of the bomb on Hiroshima took place in our harbor. 2,000 people were killed outright, 7,000 people injured, and 11,000 of the 44,000 people that lived in Halifax were left homeless because that concussive wave just flattened the wooden homes in the north end of our city. And it even stopped the clock. Yeah, it stopped the clock, and I think that's a function now that that's a memorial to the Halifax explosion. One tower of the... uh, uh, one clock face on the uh, city hall has been frozen at 9.05 to commemorate the Halifax explosion. What is one thing you have to eat or drink here when you're in Halifax? Like, what is, what is one thing you're known for? <laughs> well, I guess uh, most people would like to have a lobster, and we just uh-huh. finished having a lobster lunch here. Uh, of course, uh, we are the world's largest exporter of lobster, and I'll, I'll argue that with people from Maine. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we send them to, to Asia, to Europe, and and to the United States because uh, Maine cannot supply all the lobster needed by your 330 million people or so. And I guess if you wanted something to drink, uh, we have a famous brewer in town, and it's Alexander Keith. He was a Scot. He came from Scotland, started this brewery, became mayor of the city of Halifax on four separate occasions, and Alexander Keith is known for his IPA ale. Thanks for being on the show, Rick. It's a pleasure, and I'll see you in Jacksonville sometime. Technology at Sea is getting bigger, and Holland America has a digital workshop on board, and I'm joined by the, uh, we'll call him the professor here, the digital god, if you will, John. John, welcome to Cruise Radio, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Holland America Line has the digital workshop powered by Microsoft. Kind of explain to us what that is. Right. So it's a partnership between Holland America and Microsoft. It's uh, it's a program that's unlike any other. It's the only free technology program at sea. And what it basically is, is an opportunity for guests of Holland America line uh, to, uh, in a relaxed environment, come in and take some computer classes, uh, get to know uh, how to use the computer, how to uh, uh, become friends with their computer rather than simply wanting to throw it out the window. Yeah, and for the folks tracking along at home right now listening, we're actually in a classroom, and there's probably, what, about is there 20 computers in here? Yeah, typically we'll have anywhere from 15 to 20 uh, uh, computers available for the guests to use in our digital workshop. You did mention this, but we should say it again. All classes are absolutely free. Is that correct? Yeah, these are complimentary and uh, there's no need to sign up for them. You just turn up at the, the times. They're all listed on the uh, on-location guide provided by Holland America to all the guests. So so guests can simply look at the classes. There's a description of each class that's offered and the time it's offered at. And then they can they can just turn up and, and take the classes that interest them. Every class I've walked by, it's standing room only. People are pretty much sitting on top of each other. Yeah, it's a very popular program. I mean, let's face it. These days, everyone can learn something about technology. We've got folks that come in here that are themselves uh, computer programmers or formerly worked in the field mm-hmm. to someone who uh, who just recently retired and bought their very first computer. So everyone's got an interest these days in, in uh, bettering themselves when it comes to learning how to use their computer, their technology to interact with, with friends and family and what have you. What are some of your most popular classes uh, that kind of fill the room up here? We've got... Uh, 
a number of great uh, courses in, in our curriculum, but certainly our photo editing sessions are very popular. We do classes on everything in here on how to retouch photos. That is, if you wanted to get rid of a power line in the background of a picture that you took while you're, while you're on shore doing a, a shore excursion, we can show you how to do that. Uh, in addition to that, uh, to, to, to basic retouching of photos and editing, just getting rid of red eye in a picture or cropping it. We do sessions on that. We also do uh, more advanced techniques such as stitching together of panoramic photos. Uh, how to do a collage of your, of your cruise pictures mm-hmm. uh, is very popular. And we even do uh, uh, classes that involve how to, how to photo fuse pictures together. So if your eyes are closed in one picture, we can paste, uh, paste in a picture where your eyes are, are open right on top of it and layer them together. Most of these programs, do they come basically installed with the Windows operating system or do the folks have to go out and buy a special program to uh, attend the shop? Yeah, Doug, one of the one of the nicest aspects of the digital workshop here at Holland America is that all of the software that we use in the classroom uh, is free. Uh, there's nothing to buy. I mean, obviously, the, the, the guest needs to have a, a computer running Windows, sure. um, but uh, the, the photo editing software that we use and, and, and things like that, these are all programs that they can simply either are already on their computer mm-hmm. or they can download them. And one of the things that we provide for each and every one of our classes is, is course materials. We provide a handout. Right. So if you come and attend the class, not only do you take the class and, and you, you, you uh, do a hands-on training training session uh, with us, but you walk away with course notes. So you've right. got instructions on how to repeat this, uh, the things that you learned in the class when you get home, and that includes how to download and install the software uh, to your computer. The big question of the interview is, when are you going to start doing Macs in here? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, w- the way this program works is this. Uh, Microsoft is the sponsor of the program, hey, you. <laughs> and, and they are doing a wonderful job, and I'll tell you this, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, Again, it's the only free technology program in C, and, yeah. and, and it's been around for quite a while now, um, and it has grown leaps and bounds, and it, it is something that we hear uh, quite often from the guests. They're just absolutely thankful and grateful to Microsoft for coming up with this concept and to partnering with Holland America Line yeah. uh, to provide these classes. We have people that tell us that the whole reason they take a Holland America cruise versus, say, uh, some other line is simply uh, to take advantage of these programs. John, you're a rock star, man. John Roberts, tech expert aboard uh, Holland America's Eurodam in the digital workshop powered by Windows. Thanks for having me. That'll do it for this episode of Cruise Radio. And in case you're wondering, no, you are not going crazy. We actually uh, recorded a show on Holland America's Eurodam about four years ago. So uh, we're just kind of uh, refreshing things here. All the dining venues and all that are still the same. If you want to hear our past broadcast, just go to the show notes of Cruise Radio at cruiseradio.net. A big thank you to Eric Elvierd, Buck Banks, and Jocelyn Wu for making all of this possible, our interviews and this whole trip. We could have done it without you, so many thanks there. Also, don't forget, we have an app. It's Cruise Radio Live, and it's available in your smartphone app store. Just check it out under Cruise Radio Live. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com mobile studios aboard Holland America's MS Eurodam, I guess we should say in the St. Lawrence River in Canada, I'm Doug Parker, and this is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash travel show.
Over 150,000 titles to choose from, delivered straight to your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash travel show. Cruise Radio is recorded weekly at the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Download the Cruise Radio app. Hear Cruise Radio on TuneIn Radio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, cruiseaddicts.com, and on our website at cruiseradio.net. For advertising opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.